it works <laughs> when it when it doesn't. Um, we're in Psalm eight tonight. I, I'm just going to read the whole psalm. It's only nine verses, so ask you to stand in God's honor as I read from Psalm eight. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. You are our majesty. And we just worship you. To enter the presence of a king is not to come boldly, not to come arrogantly, but to come humbly. Father, you turned the tables when you as king of kings and lord of lords came to a cross. Father, as we look at your majesty tonight, I pray that you would speak through the weakness of my words. Pray for clarity, pray for conviction, pray for courage. Pray, Father, um, just that I'd be concise, not waste words. That you'd be lifted up, Lord. Guide us. Holy Spirit, we invite you. In Christ's name we pray. story of a little boy who said to his dad, Dad, let's spend some time together. I'll throw darts and you yell, Wonderful! He wanted the praise of his father. And so often, we too want praise. We may even crave praise. Long for others to notice us. Or to give us some attention or recognition. But there's one who deserves praise. He deserves all praise. And, and that's God. Matter of fact, the scriptures say that if we do not praise him, that even the rocks will cry out. Because he is so deserving of praise. Back in 1977, it was the 25-year anniversary of the coronation of Queen Elizabeth of England. Jack Hayford and his wife um, went to England, wanted to be a part of that celebration. Uh, Jack had served, uh, he's retired now, but for 30 years he had served a church in California called our Church of the Way. And he and his wife, as they came uh, to a downtown section to try to wait on the queen to come through and the royal family, he, he was in awe and he was amazed how the people waited with an eagerness 
to see the royal family and to catch a glimpse of the Queen of England. As a matter of fact, as he thought about this reverence that was given by the English people for their queen, it came to his heart that there's one far greater that deserves our recognition, that deserves our praise, and that deserves our attention. And so he asked his wife to pull out of her purse a notepad that she carries around. And he wanted to write something down. And so he wrote down not only some words, but the music as well, to a song that many of us have enjoyed singing. Majesty. Worship his majesty. Or not sing it, to be honest. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom, authority. Flow from his throne unto his own, his anthem raise. So exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify Christ Jesus the King. Majesty, worship his majesty. Jesus who died. Now glorified, King of all kings. <laughs> and it's a song that we've thoroughly enjoyed. And what a worship song. And, and it's a song that moves me when, when I do sing it. Why? Because it's naturally within our hearts to praise Him. It's naturally within our hearts to give Him our worship. Matter of fact, uh, it fulfills us when we worship Him. Because he is the true majesty. And, and in this psalm, I, I just want to look at three pictures of where his majesty is displayed. First, it's within creation itself. Notice verse 1 and verse 3. Um, he says, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He says, you've set your glory above the heavens. As we look above the heavens, as we look at the stars, as we look at the universe, we see God's creation and we're reminded of his greatness. Verse 3, he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place. Kepler, the astronomer, um, was well known in his day and he had a deep love for God. And a deep love for his Savior and his Lord, Jesus Christ. A colleague of his was an atheist, a brilliant man. But he believed that there was no God. He believed that creation, everything, well, he didn't really believe in that it was created. It just came to be, you know, like our Big Bang Theory of, of no real explanation of where it came from. It just bam and was and is. And, and this disturbed Kepler. And he invited him to come to, to visit him. And he had um, spent time to create a replica, a small replica of the universe, of the planets and the sun and the moons that went around the planets. A, a beautiful small replica of our universe, our galaxy. And his friend came and he looked at it and he said, Oh, this is wonderful. Who who made this? And 
He said, Kepler said, no one. What do you mean no one? Someone had to make it. Nobody made it. No, 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 no. This didn't just show up. Somebody made it. And he said, man, you're a good friend. But if you think this small replica deserves someone who made it, that it didn't just happen, how can you say that creation has vast and awesome it is? How can you say that it just had no creator? That it's just here. As we look at the heavens, it says in Psalm 19 verse 1 that the heavens declare the glory of God. Creation itself speaks of the very presence of a creator. It it didn't just happen, but that God and his glory is behind creation. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Verses 15 and 16. Talking of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. All things. doesn't matter how big, how small, how significant or as we deem insignificant. All authorities, all leaders... The important people as well as those who are forgotten, who are passed by, who are not considered to be of value. Everything was made by God, made for Jesus, and made not only by Him, but for Him. We were created to give Him glory. All of creation made to reflect His glory, to reflect His majesty, so that the honest response For all that he made, including you and me, is worship, is praise. Um, Someone has said that if you hold out a a dime at arm's length, the coin would block out 15 million stars from your view at night. (laughs) Um, In other words, it is really impossible to be able to come at a real figure of how many stars and how vast our universe is and how many galaxies there are. You can't measure God and how awesome and vast he is. And and yet it speaks of the fact he is. That God is there. Secondly, God's majesty is heard from his children. Uh, Back to Psalm 8 and verse 2. It says, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. God speaks through those who seem to not be very powerful. And that's how he's chosen to speak, through children and through infants who need so much care and constant attention. Um, said that a man had a dream one night. and In his dream, he was at church. And he was um, looking around and he, 
He saw plenty of people there to worship. He saw um, up here uh, musicians that were gifted and, and a preacher that was gifted to be able to preach. And uh, a church that seemed to be ready to have a, a worship service that was meaningful. And it, as the service started, he, he noticed uh, that a man came forward and, and he knelt to pray. But as he began to listen, he didn't hear anything. And then it moved to a time of music. And as he looked and, and he saw different kinds of um, people who were playing instruments. And, and he saw musicians who were using their voices. But he couldn't hear anything. There was no music that was audible. And then when it came time to preach. And, and the minister began to speak. There, there were no words that were heard out of his mouth. And so the man thought, what is going on? And then suddenly, there was a little child in that auditorium, that sanctuary, whose voice was heard as he sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And then it was as if God spoke to him. And he said, the message is, it it doesn't matter how eloquent you may think the prayer sounds. How how wonderful the the person is able to put his words together as as he speaks to God. It doesn't matter how talented the musicians are as they play their instruments. And, the, and, and it sounds good to us. Or, or the musicians are able to use their voices in, in a way that's just like, wow, amazing. But if it's not praise to God, it's not heard. Or the preacher who, who is able to speak and, and has such a command of the language. But if his heart, if it's not worship, if it's not to God, it doesn't matter. Because what matters is the heart. And, and that's what's so beautiful about a child. Um, it's interesting. I, there was a guy that came to me uh, Tuesday night with an associational meeting here. And I spoke and after he came to me, he said, Do you get nervous when there's other preachers out there and you're trying to speak? And I said, Sometimes I get nervous. I'm not sure why, but I said, honestly, I said, I'm not trying to sound spiritual, but it matters to me that what I think more than anything is that I'm speaking to God. Not not, not that I, I mean, I want to do a good job, but I want to worship. And I think that that is so critical that I, I not only talk about God, but I, I want to experience God myself. I, I want to praise Him and, and I want to worship Him. And, and many times before I come here speaking, I did tonight. I just uh, I remember Charles Spurgeon, you know, that great preacher everybody talks about. All us preachers steal stuff from his sermons. But he said that uh, there were like a hundred steps that he had to walk up to his pulpit. And he said every step he would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I 
believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when I'm sitting there praying, I, I, I just say, oh, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Lord, Holy Spirit, please show up. Take this weak stuff I'm trying to do and, and, and empower, anoint the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not my words. It's His Spirit. You know, as it says in the Scriptures, it's not by might nor by power, but it is by my Spirit, says the Lord. And children, you know, they're just trusting. They haven't learned to play all these games that we typically play as we become adults. They're trusting and they take stuff at face value. They simply believe their parents will take care of them. And they're honest. They're genuine. And they're transparent. And those are qualities that lead us in worship to God. And so a children really displays that. Matter of fact, I have some. Uh, I looked and found some prayers from children, and, and I just took some of these because man, children are their honesty is so powerful, and it's no wonder that God would hear a child. Listen to some of these. These are so honest. Dear God, I went to this wedding, and they were kissing right there in church. Is that okay? Isn't that good? Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. Dear God, it must be super hard to love all the people in the world, especially my brother. I don't know how you do it. Isn't that honest? Um, Dear God, I love Christmas and Easter. Could you please put another holiday in the middle? There's no good ones in there right now. Dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I grow up, but without so much hair all over. It's just so honest. Dear God, I wish you would not make it so easy for people to come apart. I had to have three stitches and a shot. Dear God, my grandpa says you were around when he was a little boy. How far back do you go? Get out of that. Dear God, did you mean for giraffes to look like that, or was it an accident? You know, I, I, it's so great to see through the eyes of a child. Dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. Dear God, if you, dear God, I heard the moon was made of cheese. Tonight, half of it was missing. Did you get hungry? And last, last one I'll share here. Dear God. Please take care of my daddy, my mommy, sister, brother, my doggie, and me. Oh, please take care of yourself, God. If anything happens to you, we're going to be in a big mess. Isn't that good? God hears a simple heart. And you know what? We're his children. The Bible says, yet to all who received him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So at that time that we are honest before God and say, God, you made it all and I need you in my life. Please forgive me. Please enter my heart and make me new. And he said when we do that, He adopts us into his family. That we 
become a kingdom kid. That we join into his family. We're grafted in there in his masterful adoption process. And one last one here. Um, God's majesty is witnessed by the enemy. Look back there again in verse 2. Um, From the lips of children and infants you have adored praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Um, as you think of a child, especially an infant, they're not able to defend themselves. They're small. They need a parent to defend them. They need a parent to protect them. And a picture here is that we need God to protect us. And he brings praise unto himself when he steps in and protects his children. When he silences those who are an enemy to him. Um, Psalm 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. So the picture there is not to attack those who attack you, but in the power of God to be calm and to gentle as we trust God to fight the fight for us. Very difficult to do, but it is a picture of praise there. There's something about when we are willing to have a godly reaction to an ungodly action that speaks volumes of God and brings praise to him. Because the natural response of an ungodly action is an ungodly reaction to it. But God has brought praise when we're able to respond in his power and his strength. Proverbs seventeen twenty eight says, Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. There comes a time when we need to let God speak. We need to let God work. Um, I close in Daniel chapter 6. It's a familiar story of Daniel. Um, Daniel in the lion's den. And we don't think about Daniel being a politician. We know he's a godly man. But the scriptures also tell us as we look through the book of Daniel that he was a politician. He was involved in the politics of his land. God had raised him up to do a mighty work in the kingdom. And he was, uh, when he was what many of us would certainly call retirement age, around his 80s, um, Darius of the Persians had taken over the kingdom. And he was good friends with Daniel. And Darius had raised up 120 politicians, called them satraps. Um, three of those guys were came to the top, and they were the head politicians. Daniel was one of these three. But it became clear early on that Daniel was very gifted. And he was very wise. And so the king looked at him and said, You know, Daniel, I really want you to work close by my side. And you won't believe what happened. Those other 119 politicians became jealous. And they met in the back room. Does that ever happen? A little sarcasm, right? They met in a back room, these 119 politicians, and they said, we got to find some way to bring Daniel down. 
He is making life miserable for us. I mean, after all, we're wise. After all, we're good politicians. He shouldn't be the glory hog. And so they said, well, let's dig the skeletons out of the closet and see if we can um, trip up Daniel. The problem was they kept digging, but they couldn't find anything. So finally he said, well, the one thing that sticks out about this guy is he loves his God. So if we can come up with some kind of religious attack, I think we can get him. Well, for Darius the leader, he was supposed to get all of the attention, all of the glory, all of the worship. He was considered to be the head honcho, the big god of all gods, as the ruler of Babylon. And they had this um, rule to where if the king was to pass a law, that law could not be changed. I mean, it was set in stone. And so they came to him and they appealed to his ego. A lot of us fall by the big ego problem. Um, But they appealed to his ego and they said, Oh, king, Please pass a law that you, above all men and all gods, are to be worshipped and praised. And if there is anyone else in the kingdom who prays to someone else, who seeks wisdom from another god besides you, O king, that person should be thrown into the lion's den. The king said, well, you know, I am the man. I am the king. Sounds good. So he wrote that royal law that could not be changed. And then the scripture tells us that Daniel heard about this law. But Daniel had this practice. He would go up on his roof where everyone in the area could see him. And he would pray to God. And and he did this several times a day. And he would come and he would get on his knees before God. And he'd pray and he would seek God's help. You see, he understood. I mean, the reason that he was such a good politician is because he loved God. And, 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 and he was able to make good decisions. He wasn't trying to, to get an advantage for himself. He was trying to follow God. And he would pray to God. And so as, as he climbed up on the street. Matter of fact, um, in Daniel 6, let me look. Um, there is... Uh, See if I can find the text here. They've just passed this law, and it says, here it is, verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, once he heard the news, he went home to his upstairs room and hid. No, that's not what he did. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king. Daniel heard the news, but Daniel decided that more than any else he needed God's help so he didn't change anything he continued to go to God for wisdom he continued to pray and the result of that 
the king, who was Daniel's friend, he had that law set in stone. So Daniel ended up being placed in the lion's den. A stone covered the opening. And the last words the king said to Daniel were, Daniel, I really don't want to do this, but I believe your God will rescue you. And I love it in the scripture because it says that the king went home that night and he was troubled and he fasted. and He prayed because he cared about Daniel. And it says that he didn't sleep. And the first sign of light, he ran to the lion's den. And, and when he got there, I'm going to read to you. I'll just read to you what, what happened. He gets there and... Um, Verse 19, I'll start there. It says, At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. He didn't expect to hear good news. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually. Isn't that awesome? This is how he saw Daniel. He is the guy that was the same guy everywhere he was, the guy who served God continually. I just threw that in there, no extra cost. Been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, I don't think he expected an answer. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Daniel didn't fight against the king or against the other 119 politicians that obviously wanted to see him become lion food. He took it to God. And it was a form of deep worship to God. And as a result of that deep worship, an angel was sent to close the mouth of the lions. Now, I could go on in the passage. He opened the, the lion's mouth, and well, they ended up a uh, lion chow, the guys that were against him and their families. But the point of the matter is, there are some fights we can't fight. We cry out to God. And and that's praise to God. You see, God is praised through creation. As we look at all that He has made, it shouts of God. It declares God. It is obvious that there is a creator behind all of this creation. It didn't just poof, come out of nowhere, or the big bang and bang its ear. God created. Secondly, through... The praise of children and infants, those honest, genuine, transparent hearts of little ones. He is praised and lifted up. Praise is a heart issue. It's not about competence. It's about worship. And third, he fights for us who cannot fight for ourselves. And praise comes forth out of that as he is the victorious one to whom we turn to. Um, I close it. It was said that uh, some people 
asked Thomas Edison's wife, your husband is a genius with all he has been able to accomplish in his life. Has he ever told you anything about his inspiration, where he feels his inspiration comes from, or how he is able to do so many great things? And she said, well, I've never heard him say anything, but I have seen him do this. Good advice for us. Whether it's creation that we see that declares his name. Whether it's the honest, transparent, trusting heart. Whether it's in a position where we can't defend ourselves. It's still time to do this. Let's pray. God, it's good to be here tonight. Thank you for speaking in spite of my words. <laughs> we intend, we long to worship you. You're the one who deserves it all. And so, Father, in these moments, our hearts want to worship. May you be praised. Um, you say, O oh Lord, that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We want to lift you up, Lord. This is the time we call response, invitation. It's just a time to say, Lord, my heart is open to what you want of me. I want to respond to what you want. I pray, Father, that you might do that as we stand, as we sing. If we need to come to the altar, may we pray. We need to make a decision where we are. May we say yes. If it's necessary to speak to your people publicly, to say I want a witness of what you're doing in my life, may that occur. But Father, more than anything, we want to say you are the majesty, king of kings, lord of lords, and we are your servants. Have your way. Christ's name we pray. Amen.